Namaste and welcome to Kidacity, where we learn, share, and take action together. I'm your host, Samar Chitta. I'm 11 years old and live in Bengaluru, India. I'm also an aspiring author. Kidacity is a fun place for kids like you and me to learn about various topics that interest us. This season, we will learn about countries around the world, their culture, history, and most importantly, one problem that the children in that country are facing. From time to time, I will also bring inspiring interviews with adults and children. No learning is complete without putting it into action. So, at the end of each episode, there will be a segment where you can take action about the topic of that episode. If you love to learn and love to listen to inspiring people around us, you have come to the right place. Annyeonghaseyo and welcome to episode number Big Daso or episode number 105. This week we are going to a country known for its fantastic food, music genre, TV shows, automobile manufacturers, electronic manufacturers. This is my first part in the G20 series. Now, you must be wondering what the G20 even is. Why is it even relevant and what country am I even talking about? To get answers to all of these questions, let's dive in. Recently, in India, the G20 conference was held. Now, what exactly is the G20? The G20, or Group of 20, is an intergovernmental forum comprising of 19 countries and both the European Union, EU and the African Union, AU. It works to address major issues related to the global economy, such as international financial stability, climate change migration and sustainable development. The G20 countries include Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Mexico or Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Turkey, the UK, the US, the EU and the AU. Now that you know what the G20 is, let's learn a little bit more about the country's part of it. Like I mentioned, to start off our quest to learn all about the countries of the G20, we are going to a country, like I mentioned, which has amazing food and is known for its music, TV, TV genre, as well as electronic and automobile manufacturers. The country is... Dayahamingo or South Korea. Stay tuned to learn five amazing aspects about South Korea. Let's first get to know a little bit more about South Korea and its geography. South Korea is part of the Korean Peninsula, which is attached to mainland Asia by mostly China and parts of Russia. It is bordered by only North Korea 
who is a very, very vigorously and violent neighbor of South Korea, India's sworn enemies, so South Korea doesn't look too great on the neighbor side. It is surrounded by the Sea of Japan, the Yellow Sea, and the East China Sea, which are on the west, east, and south, respectively. Now, like I mentioned, South Korea only borders one country, but it is close to many countries, which include China, Taiwan, Russia, Japan, and the Philippines to some extent as well. And now South Korea actually doesn't look good on countries that are near it as well. South Korea and Japan are not exactly sworn enemies, but they're not too friendly with each other either. And that's because of a long, long, long history with them, which did not start really, really long ago, but started quite recently. But that's for another episode. Anyways, the capital of South Korea is the beautiful Seoul, situated on the banks of the enchanting Han River. The national language of South Korea is Korean, with about 80 million people speaking it across the world. South Korea has many industries, including entertainment with K-pop and K-drama, and I'm sure you've heard of one K-pop song, or any like bands such as Blackpink, BTS, EXO, TWICE, and many others, and electronics, which include Samsung, LG, and I bet you have at least one South Korean electronic company's item in your house. And lastly, automobiles, which include cars such as Hyundai, Kia, and many others. The interesting sites and must-visit things to do when you go to South Korea include the Gyeongbokgung Palace and Seoul Tower, the Lotte World, Jeju Island, as well as some cities are Busan in the south, which is quite close to Jeju Island as well. Now, let's learn more about the ancient history of this country. recorded history of the Korean Peninsula, including South Korea, dates back to the Gojoseon period, which is believed to have started around the 7th century BCE. This legendary era is practically full of myths and legends, with Dangun, the founder of Gojoseon, often portrayed as a semi-divine figure. Archaeological discoveries provide evidence of advanced agricultural practices, early forms of governance, and cultural developments during this time. One of the most influential periods in South Korea's history was the Three Kingdoms era, which followed right after the Gojoseon, spanning from the 4th century CE to the 7th century CE. In it emerged the three powerful kingdoms of Goguryeo, Bakje, and Sila, each fighting for control of the Korean peninsula. These kingdoms contributed significantly to Korean culture, art, and Buddhism, which is South Korea's most followed religion. Silla, like I mentioned, one of the kingdoms, unified the peninsula under its rule and established the renowned Buddhist temple Bulguksa and the historic Seokram Groto. You may also be wondering what the Seokram Groto is, like me when I wrote the script, and I first thought that this was a Buddhist temple, but in actuality, this is a UNESCO World Heritage Site located in Gyeongju, South Korea. It is a significant Buddhist site and is one of the most iconic and well-preserved examples of Korean Buddhist art and architecture. 
In the late 14th century, South Korea was attacked with Japanese invasions and later became a vassal state, a state with a varying degree of independence in its internal affairs but dominated by another state in its foreign affairs and potentially wholly subject to the dominating state. Yes, I know this sounds very, very, very confusing and I didn't understand a word of it, but this is the actual dictionary definition of a vassal state. But let me just sum it up for you. So a vassal state is essentially a state which is not fully independent like a country that South Korea is today. Rather, um, has its own rule, but is actually being controlled partially or a little bit by another country. But that country is not has not fully invaded or does not fully control the country. It actually just influences parts of the country, such as, like it mentioned, its foreign affairs, like who it trades with, who are, are its allies, etc., etc. So it's kind of like a semi-free state. But anyways, coming back. This period of invasions from other countries continued for centuries, with Korea under control of various powers, including China and Japan. It wasn't until the end of World War II that Korea regained its independence, only to be divided into North and South Korea along the 38th parallel in 1945, a division that continues to affect the country's history today. Now, the 38th parallel is something that you must have all heard of. It is the most heavily and militarized um, border in the world, with army personnel from both sides constantly on the border. And it's also called the DMC, called the Demilitarized Zone, which is actually the opposite of what it is because it's very heavily militarized. There is a little bit of space in between the two countries that belongs to neither of them. And this is how most borders work. And then on the other side of them is, let's say, South Korea. And then there they have lots of defenses. And on the other side is North Korea with lots of defenses again. And there are many, many soldiers who are constantly on either sides of it. And you can actually visit the DMZ from South Korea or from North Korea. But I bet you're never going to go to North Korea in your lifetime because it's absolutely almost inaccessible. But you can go to the DMZ from South Korea. You just, it's almost an hour away from Seoul. And you can just go there and you can actually kind of spy into North Korea. And it's really fun. I've seen videos, but I've never been there. When I go to South Korea, I truly hope that I can go there. Now let's talk about culture. South Korea has many, 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 many festivals. The most important and unique ones are Chuseok, which is essentially Korean Thanksgiving. Chuseok is a major harvest festival in South Korea, celebrated on the 15th day of the 8th month of the lunar calendar. Families come together to pay respects for the ancestors that have passed away, share traditional foods like songpyeong, which is rice cakes, and engage in folk games like chisirum, which is Korean wrestling making time for gratitude and reunion, just like Thanksgiving. Number two, Siwalal, Lunar New Year. Siwalal marks the Korean Lunar New Year and is a time for families to gather and bow to their elders, exchange blessings and ancestral rites. Traditional activities include making tutogok, rice cake soup, playing yutnori, a traditional board game, and wearing hanbok, which is the traditional clothing of South Korea. 
Number three, Boryong Mud Festival. This unique festival is held in Boryong, about 140 kilometers south of Seoul. It is all about mud. It features mud wrestling, mud slides, mud baths, and various mud-themed activities. Tourists and locals alike enjoy these therapeutic properties of the mud, of the local mud, while having a fun and messy time, making it one of South Korea's most distinct and entertaining festivals. Now, like I mentioned, on the Seolal or the Lunar New Year, everybody wears a hanbok, and that is the national outfit of South Korea. A hanbok consists of several parts. It is typically a hanbok is typically characterized by its vibrant colors and graceful flowing lines. Hanboks are often worn to special occasions and important cultural events in Korea, such as weddings, festivals, and traditional ceremonies, like I mentioned, such as the Lunar New Year. The hanbok consists of a jeogori. This is the top part of the hanbok, which is a short jacket or a blouse. It typically has long flowing sleeves and is tied with strings or ribbons at the chest. Number two, chima. The chima is a skirt or the lower part of the hanbok. It is usually full and wide and falls gracefully to the ankles. The chima is held up with a waistband known as an otgorium. Number three, baji. In some variations of the hanbok, there are pants known as baji, which are worn under the chima. These pants are wide and comfortable, allowing for ease of movement. And lastly, the junbok. The junbok is a vest that can be worn over the jigore, adding an extra layer of decoration and style for the outfit. Now time for cuisine! South Korean cuisine is famous all over the world for its delicious taste and its mouth-watering spiciness. Now let's look at some of the very, very interesting and very, very popular foods in South Korea. Firstly, we have bibimbap, a colorful and nutritious Korean rice dish topped with an assortment of vegetables, meat, often beef, fish, and a spicy chili paste, all mixed together to create a harmonious explosion of flavors. And I did once try this and it was actually decent, but instead of using sesame seeds, I used chia seeds by mistake, so that really was annoying. But number two, we have kimchi, Korea's iconic fermented side dish, typically made from napa cabbage and Korean radishes, combined together with a spicy paste of red chili flakes, garlic, ginger, and fish sauce, resulting in a tangy, spicy, and probiotic-rich condiment. Number three is bulgogi. This is thinly sliced marinated beef, usually cooked on a grill or stovetop, bursting with sweet and savory flavors making it delightful and tender Korean barbecue speciality love for its irresistible taste. The national dish of South Korea is actually on this list and if you could guess it is kimchi which is quite deservingly has the name which quite deservingly holds the title. Kimchi is used in many dishes around the country and is also used primarily as a side dish. Now time for the change. about countless dog markets in Busan where people are illegally selling dog meat. This is truly horrible. Here is a bit of the petition. In Busan, there are countless dog farms, slaughterhouses, 
markets and restaurants where the dogs who have been tortured their entire lives and are being slaughtered in the most inhumane ways, such as electrocution, hanging or beating, and then thrown into boiling water, sometimes while they are still alive. In many places, dogs are killed in full view of the other terrified cage dogs, and this takes place in public in broad daylight. In addition, many abandoned and stolen former pets end up in this industry and are subject to the same cruelty. Now, I'm almost crying, but this is really, 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 really sad. And if you feel the same way as I do, you should like definitely sign this petition, which is going to be in the bio towards the end. If And you know, some people may think, you know, petitions don't make much of a change. But after, like, there are lots of people who agree to it, the government has to do something. They can't just go around and do nothing. So if you feel the same way as me, please send a petition. I'll also put a link on my Instagram, Chitta, as well as in the description below, like I mentioned. That is all for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider clicking on the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform you are listening to me on. And don't forget to check out my Instagram and Twitter at RateSummerChitta for the latest news about my episodes. Until next week, goodbye and Jay Hind from Curiosity. Curiosity.